You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you only greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Every person on planet Earth, every person that is living, every person that has ever lived, every person that, that, will, that will ever live, Every person has a story. Every person has a story, a story that's worth telling. Each and every one of our stories are, are unique. They're unique to us. We all have, have experienced, are experiencing different things. We, we all have unique stories. And yet each and every one of us have stories that are worth telling. And the story of the kingdom of God is the story of, of God in Christ. It's the story of, of God through Christ reaching down and accomplishing for us that which we cannot accomplish for ourselves. The story of God reaching down and saving us by, by, by coming to, to earth in Christ so that he might show us the way. If you look to the beginning of John's gospel, John speaks of the word who was and then the word who became. It's the great and the wondrous story of God. Our stories intersecting the story of God becoming kingdom stories. When Jesus tells the, when he tells the story of the sheep that becomes lost and the shepherd that goes after that one sheep, it makes no sense at all. It didn't make any sense at all when Jesus told that story, the parable of the lost sheep. It made no sense to those who were hearing that story for the first time. And when you think about it, when you think it through, it makes, it makes absolutely no sense to us. Unless you're the one. Unless you're the one that's lost. And only then does it make sense. And only then does God redeem our stories. Only then can, can stories of tragedy or pain, stories of, of wasted years, only then can our stories become stories of triumph, kingdom stories. And I just, I just think that we need to learn to love and to appreciate one another's stories. 
to love one another's stories. This quote from Jorge Mario Borgioglio in his book, uh, The Joy of the Gospel, I prefer a church which is bruised, hurting, and dirty because it has been out on the streets rather than a church which is unhealthy from being confined and from clinging to its own security. This one from Richard Rohr in his book, Authentic uh, Transformation, a sign of true spiritual conversion is the movement toward the edge, the outside, the lower, the suffering, and the simple. Last week, we we saw Jesus uh, challenge us with, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but, but I say, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, but for what purpose? Because God is going to grant you opportunities. That if you'll just take hold of those, those opportunities, you can point others toward Him. If you can just have the, the presence of mind within those, those moments, those difficulties, those adversities, God's going to give you opportunity to, through those things, to point toward Him and the truth of the kingdom. And so Jesus, he, he moves us beyond that to loving our enemies. He's, he's addressed recently, think about it, he's addressed anger, he's addressed lust, he's addressed divorce, he's addressed murder, and so he asks, how are you doing all, with all that? You doing okay? All right, let's take this one step further, and he takes the next kingdom step, love your enemies. Now, it might be that when Jesus says enemies, it might be that whenever he says that, you've got a few folks that come to mind. You've got a list that you keep in your pocket. It, it might be that, that whenever Jesus says, love your enemies, you, you know exactly, maybe for you, who he's talking about. It might be that you think to yourself, I just don't really know if I have any, any enemies at the moment. Jesus will say, if the world hated me, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Which, when you think about it, that's precisely where the phrase haters going to hate come, came from, right? Look at this meme here, right? John 15, 18, that's a, haters going to hate. That's just a loose paraphrase of, of John chapter 15, verse 18. And I love, I love the, the, the flannel graph you know, pictures that always pop up with these things. It, it might be that when Jesus says enemies, it might be that you've got a few folks that come to mind. It might be that as far as you know, you don't have any enemies to speak of. But what about those who oppose you or us simply because you're you or because we're us? Whether you realize it or not, you're on that list. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But who doesn't do that? If you only love those that love you, how is that the kingdom? When you think about it, Jesus isn't even saying that we, we aren't to have enemies. Or that we're not going to have enemies. As a matter of fact, he kind of assumes that we do. His question is not, do you have enemies? His question is, do you love them? Do you love them? Do you love them with the love of the Lord? Do you love them with the love that comes from the Lord? No matter who they are, no matter what they've done, do you see them as God's creation? 
created in the image of God, as fallen as they might be. Let me try it this way. This is going to hurt just a little bit, but that's, that's kind of the point. Go to the next slide. <clears throat> if you don't know, the Westboro Baptist Church, is a, it's a hate group that calls itself a church. They target and they protest practically everybody. Every person, every group that's not them. Every group, every person that's outside of the 70 members that call the, the Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas, their home. From churches to universities, Muslims to Catholics, those in the gay community to those who, who are in enforcement positions, military, they'll, they'll protest funerals of fallen soldiers, funer- funerals of fallen law enforcement. These are just a few of, of their lovely signs. Uh, to be honest, these are just a few of their lovely signs that I could show you. Uh, there were, um, um, you know, a, a number that obviously um, uh, shouldn't be be shown. And just look at the—I mean, look at the smile on this girl's this girl's face. Um, I, I watched a TED talk last week, thinking about this, and I'm trying to—I'm thinking about loving our enemies, and I'm thinking, what's an what's an enemy that we could all get on board with collectively, right? Well, and I watched a TED talk from a, a young lady who had grown up in this church. And she talked about being little and holding signs that she couldn't read. And even the, even the sign here in the far right corner, thank God for September 11th, how disgusting is that? Uh, the little girl that's holding that is no more than five or six years old. And then there's this lady, this lady up here at the top holding the sign, you're going to hell. I mean, look at those glasses. I want to have like a little caption underneath her that says thug life or something like that, right? The Westboro Baptist Church, they protest funerals, they celebrate human tragedy, they defame the gospel of Jesus in the name of Jesus, which is something that God indeed does hate. These are ungodly, foul people who are created in the image of God. And yet they they blaspheme His holy name with every sign, with every picket, with every shout, with every protest. And believe me, nothing gets my blood up more than bigotry, bigotry no matter what form it takes. Three weeks ago, the Westboro Baptist Church visited the campus of Pepperdine University in beautiful Malibu, California, in order to, to spew the same sort of venom. They, their, their purpose was to, to say that the recent wildfires in that part of, of California were, were caused because of the, the school. And they handed out flyers, and on the flyers, uh, they, they made this statement. Go to the next slide there. Pepperdine is affiliated with the churches of Christ, who believe God loves everyone. That's what I'm saying. Man, we have arrived. Think about that. 
We have, I'm, I'm telling for my entire, for my entire life, I have always thought that when, when folks hear, oh, you worship at a church of Christ, that, that as soon as they, they stop saying, oh, we're churches of Christ, you guys don't have instruments, right? If the first thing they will, that will come to their mind is those people, they love God and they love others. We have arrived. I'm telling you, we, this is good news, right? We, we, we're, we're, we're doing something, something right. But let me ask you this. Is it, is it okay to hate a hate group? Is it godly to hate a hate group? Jesus has said, and we've seen this in recent weeks, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you can't enter the kingdom. He has said, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. The Apostle Paul will come along and say, consider others better than yourselves. Even whenever deep down you know they're not. Why? Because we're a people of the kingdom. And so maybe when it, when it comes to loving our enemies, we might be a little bit like that religious leader who, who came to Jesus and asked Jesus, tell me, teacher, what are the greatest commands? And Jesus says, love God and love others. And yet wanting to what? Wanting to justify himself. He asked one further question. Tell me, who's my neighbor? And maybe even not realizing it, sometimes we might want to ask a further justifying question. Tell me, who's my enemy? Define enemy. Here's another meme that you might find uh, biblical. Go to the next slide there. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. But Jesus, what about if they're Muslim? Okay, I'm going to start over from the beginning. Let me know where I lost you. And you realize the Taliban version of every religious group exists, right? We've seen this. But Jesus, what if they're fill in the blank? But Jesus, what if they're filling the blank with any Westboro Baptist Church sign that you can envision or come up with? Fill in the blank with someone that's wronged you. Fill in the blank with someone else. Fill in the blank with someone who's wronged someone else. Fill in the blank with someone who's different from you, not like you. To which Jesus replies, I'm going to start over from the beginning. Let me know where I lost you. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Go to the next slide. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? Why is this important? That you may be children of your Father in heaven. And this is so very, it's so extremely counterintuitive. In the Beatitudes, Jesus had said, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're divinely favored by God when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Blessed? When people insult me? How does this make sense? Only in the kingdom. Love my enemies? Are you kidding? There are times I don't like my friends. 
Why? Because loving your friends and hating your enemies, that makes perfect carnal sense. But loving your enemies. Elsewhere, Jesus will say, unless you hate father, mother, brother, sister, friend. Now, he's not advocating hate. What he's advocating is not loving anyone more than him. And again, this only makes sense in the kingdom. It's the upside down, right side up kingdom of God where the last are first and the first are last and the meek are the ones that inherit the earth. And when you see people, even those that have wronged you for their brokenness. Now, Jesus is not saying be a doormat. Sometimes that's how this portion of the, the Sermon of the Mount is, <clears throat> is understood. Don't hear that. No, what he's saying is have so much purpose. Have so much purpose and clarity whenever you encounter these instances that he's been describing. Have such purpose that you point to God. It's, it's empire versus kingdom. <clears throat> the way of empire is the way of power. It's the way of force. It's the loudest voice and the best argument and the squeakiest wheel and the biggest fit wins the day. That's the way of the world. That's the way of empire. But Jesus comes along and he shows us another way. Verse 47, I left this slide out, but verse 47, if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? Go out of your way to be in tune, to be aware, to be present with people, especially those with whom you have differences, and or those who are different. Why? Because we are all created equally. Equally created in the image of God. Verse 48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. We see it in Leviticus. It's reiterated in 1 Peter. Be holy. Why? Because God is holy. So be holy and be, be perfect. The idea is, is be whole and be, be complete. Be, be not lacking anything at all. Now there is a, a very real sense that, that you and I, that, that, we're, that we're not whole. That we're not perfect. Not in some sort of way of making an excuse. Well, I'm, I'm just not, you know, not perfect. Just forgiven. Not in that sort of sense. But there's a very real sense that you and I, that, that we cannot ethic our way to God. That we, that we cannot uh, mor- morality our way to God. And yet, there's this tension and this balance because when in Christ, in realizing what God has done for us in Christ, we are called to a greater standard, to His standard of ethic and morality. 
He's the one who defines ethic and morality. The world doesn't define those things for us. If ever we allow the world to define those things for us, how far we've fallen from our calling in Christ. Since when do we allow the world to dictate our identity? And so we're saved by grace through faith. This is not from ourselves, it's the gift of God. But shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. That doesn't diminish our call to be holy. Because our God is holy. To be perfect. Because our God is perfect. That doesn't mean that we, that we stop striving to be more like Jesus. That doesn't mean that we stop striving to be like Jesus. And we must not exploit God's grace. We point toward the grace of God. And we dare not exploit it. Back to our enemies. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12 He's quoting Proverbs chapter 25, Romans 12, 20. He says, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Now, we like that part a little more than we should, don't we? Apparently, what Paul is referring to is a, it's an ancient practice that was reserved for the punishment of the wicked. This, this heaping coals on someone's head. But the goal of the punishment was repentance. A change of heart. A change of ways. And so God, through His servant Paul, led by the Spirit, says to us, do good to others. Why? So that you might bring about change. So that you might bring about transformation. The goal of which, doing those deeds, is repentance. To win them over. To change their heart. Because before God wants our talents, or our abilities, or even our efforts or anything that we have to offer, before any of that, what God is after is our hearts. Just like the text that we saw last week, when doing so is so outlandish, and so countercultural and counterintuitive, that when, when our actions and our responses to the actions of others, when they're, they're so countercultural and counterintuitive, that others are compelled to ask why. Why is it you're doing this? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Why do you behave the way that you behave? Why, why do you extend grace and offer me forgiveness whenever I don't deserve it? So that when others do things unto us and we respond in the way of the kingdom, when those opportunities present themselves, and they ask why, we're able to point them toward Jesus. Then in the next verse, Romans 12, 21, again, so very counterintuitive, do not become overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
Love your enemies. Love them with the love of God. Love them with a a love that is willing to risk. Love them with the love that's willing to to go the extra mile. Love love them with the love that's willing to be wounded. To put others first. They may still be enemies. But love them with the love of God. See them with the eyes of God. See them as created in the image of God, as fallen as they might be. See them as divinely loved by God so very much that He sent His Son in order to take their place of deserved punishment. Because that's exactly what He's done for us. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And in today's climate, it, it seems that, that although we perhaps are more inclined to celebrate diversity than any time in recent memory, still we are more and more divided. We grow more and more divided. Why is that? We say that we want justice and equality and freedom and dignity. But still, we divide the world into us versus them. And this path that too many have been caught up in has brought us nothing but ever-deepening polarization. And certainly this is not the way of Jesus. It may be the way of the world. It is. It is the way of the world. But it's not us. It's not to be us. Since when are we to behave like the world? We're a part of the kingdom, not of the world. And what gives us hope is that we can do something about this. The good news is it's that simple. Not easy. Not easy, but simple. When the Holy Spirit leads the way. Granted, what makes it hard is extending empathy and compassion to those who show nothing but hostility and contempt. The impulse to respond in kind is so very tempting. But that just isn't who we're called to be. The Apostle John concludes, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. You and I, we love because He first loved us. And if anyone says, I love God, it hates their brother or sister. They're a liar. For anyone who does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen, they cannot love God whom they have not seen. The Apostle Paul says it this way, For if, when, we were God's enemies, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, 
Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And so love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Pray for those who who oppose you. Bless those who are against you. Because you're a part of the kingdom of God. As we've looked at uh, the Sermon on the Mount together, and we're going to continue to do that uh, over the next uh, little over a month, uh, with the conclusion of, of this text today, we've, we've, we've concluded chapter 5. And so we've done, this is, we've done the hard work, right? Um, chapter 5. When I, when I first uh, was, I may have told you this already, I, f- I forget, but uh, when I first asked James about whether, you know, why, don't, why don't more preachers preach from the Sermon on the Mount? He said, well, you've got to get through chapter 5 first. And uh, so we've gotten through chapter 5 together. And these have been some hard teachings, right? And uh, I'm grateful for our, our journey together to seek to, allow, to seek to allow Scripture to set the tone and the pace for us, for us to be willing to be open and vulnerable to God's Word and His Spirit to be at work within our hearts. And uh, I'm grateful for this journey that we are on together in studying the Sermon on the Mount. This morning we want to offer a time of response and invitation. And if you are inclined to respond to, uh, to the call of Christ, whether that's for this church to pray for you or over you, uh, not only to, to come up front if you want to do that publicly, but our elders will be <clears throat> gathered around this room if you, will, <clears throat> if you want to, to seek one of them out, to ask them to pray over you, they'd be honored to do so. If you've never been baptized into Christ, we want to offer that time of response. Come forward as we stand, as we sing.